0: to the bloke and the bird show hopefully this weekend you figured out how to watch formula one because it was all over the place
1: figured out how to watch formula one
0: well you okay qualifying we only caught what we missed all of q1 and we caught part way into q2 and q3 Because our DVR didn't adjust to the new time. I mean, it was actually really nice to be able to watch qualifying in prime time. That was cool.
1: (laughs) (laughs) True. True. And, well, it was, what, 10 o'clock at night, which technically here is not prime time.
0: Well, it's the last hour of prime time in most time zones in the United States, with the exception of the central. But when, when we started watching it, it was about nine o'clock
1: nine o'clock is prime time in central and mountain
0: uh and uh, mountain time they they time shift just like they do on the west coast no yeah
1: so prime time runs
0: from eight until the evening news
1: correct on eastern and pacific
0: and And it runs alaskan standard time and hawaiian time as well
1: those two places don't count (laughs) but in central and mountain primetime runs from 7 until 10 when the evening news is
0: i don't think mountain time shifts to to match it does it does okay
1: i know this because way back in the oldie days the the cosby show was at 8 p.m eastern 7 p.m central and mountain it's one word central and mountain
0: okay Either way, when we caught up to it, it was still prime time. Even if it went beyond the prime time hours, it was still prime time. That's my point.
1: Okay. All I'm saying is it does not take rocket science since they announced that they were doing this on Sunday morning, that there was no chance our DVR was gonna catch up because it it does it off the guide. And right. if the guide's not updated, it's not updated. But
0: that's the question because sometimes the guides get updated for that stuff. Like if they go and re-air something because something is preempted a show or something along those lines, they have done that before and the guides get updated. I think a lot of it depends on where they're getting the data that powers the guide.
1: True, and it also depends on whether or not ESPN really cares about Formula One, and do we want to have that debate this evening?
0: Well, I, I think at least out by us, they moved the qualifying from the normal ESPN channel to the Ocho. ESPN. No, I don't even think it was on Ocho. <laughs> I think it was on like Nieve or something. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Cinco días. I don't know. <laughs> the,
1: the problem is that out by us, we get preempted for, you know, F1 has to come after the Bears, the Bulls, the Blackhawks, the... Not on ESPN.
0: They, they've been advertising about this. Bears, Bulls, Blackhawks are not carried by ESPN. They've been moved over to this new NBC Sports Network, and... N- Brand new, well, this past, well, this last season was the final season after more than 75 years of the Cubs being available on WGN. After this season, you cannot watch Cubs games on WGN. They're not carrying it anymore.
1: That seems just like the world is going to end. Uh Uh-huh. I mean, WGN has always been the home of the Cubs. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of... That is what they are.
0: It's kind of monumental. And yeah, WGN uh, no longer will be carrying the Cubs starting with the 2020 baseball season.
1: The next thing you're going to tell me is that cats are laying down with dogs.
0: (laughs) Well, if you head over to the living room right now.
1: (laughs) The world is not right. All right. So speaking of the world is not right... How many times did you get told after the Sunday qualifying that no one has won from the second row?
0: Well, I was just thinking this week, we are just, we, this is the penalty show.
1: The penalty show? Yeah. So our F1 has gone into the, it's it's the crossover show with hockey and they've got the penalty box.
0: I don't have the horn. Oh, good. I don't have the horn. Okay. We have penalties. Okay, lots of penalties penalties to talk about. But yes, never before had a team won from this, or had a driver won from the second row of the grid in Japan. They have now. But before we even talk about Japan, Günther Steiner with our first penalty. He was, um, and and I heard that this was going down last week, and I kind of blew it off because I was like, yeah, whatever, nothing's going to happen. Um, but he got called to the principal's office um, specifically over his comments at the end of the Russian Grand Prix. So Kevin Magnussen, as you'll recall, got himself a five-second time penalty that cost him a position, and it ended up putting Magnuson in ninth. Now, the message was not played out on the broadcast. At least it wasn't played out completely. But Steiner radioed Magnuson after Magnuson had finished the race and said, if we didn't have a stupid, idiotic steward, we would be eighth. You know who is the steward. You know him. It is always the same. He just does not get any more intelligent.
1: That was unkind.
0: So as a result, he got summoned to see the uh, steward's panel at the Japanese Grand Prix, because obviously the ones for Russia, they'd gone away, and... Um, that panel was uh 24 hour uh legend at Tom Christensen, okay. Uh, Gerd Enser, Dennis Dean, and Yasuhiro Yodono. Um, because and now they couldn't deal with it in Russia because, quote, certain members of the Haas team had already left the circuit. In other words, Gunther, <laughs> Gunther went <wasn't> home, <laughs> Gunther wasn't there. <laughs> But also, according to the FIA, there was a potential conflict with one of the stewards. Um, There was a report where Gunther confirmed his comment was targeted at one specific member of the Russian Grand Prix panel and had no objection to the Japanese GP stewards dealing with the case, despite the chairman of the stewards, answer being the same for both events. So we don't know exactly who Gunther was pissed off at
1: but probably not that
0: guy. Yeah, probably not that guy. Um, Now, Gunther did say that he regretted his choice of words, which were spoken in the heat of the moment after a hotly contested race by his drivers. He said he did not intend for his words to reflect unfavorably on the FIA officials of the event and the championship. However, the stewards decided that um, it was an insult to the stewards of the event and calls into question both the skills and integrity of those stewards, and as such, they determined that Gunther caused moral injury to FIA officials and was presidential to the interests of motorsport. They went on to say, Such statements harm the reputation of motorsport in general, the FIA in particular, and call into question the professionalism of the officials of the FIA. While any factual criticism of steward panel decisions is always welcomed in private discussions with that panel, public personal attacks against individual Officials are totally inappropriate and will not be accepted. And as a result, Günther got fined seventy five hundred euros. Wow!
1: So he had an honor code violation, is what he had.
0: Yeah. So where where I have a problem with this is you know they they, they say here that such statements harm the reputation of motorsport in general and the FIA and call into question the professionalism of the officials of the FIA. What about that time?
1: That one time?
0: Where that driver told the race steward on the radio um, starts with F um You Can Fill in the Blanks of the Rest <laughs> in Mexico. Had his team yell at him, did he really needed to shut up? Remember that time? Yeah. He didn't get fined $7,500. I don't think he got fined at all. I think he just had to apologize for being a butthead.
1: Maybe Gunther refused to apologize for being a butthead.
0: I I don't know. I would have thought that Sebastian Vettel's would have, comments would have been a bit more detrimental to the, the reputation of the FIA and the stewards.
1: Maybe it's a difference between position. I mean...
0: One was in the car and one was not.
1: <laughs> not physical position. I mean, one is a race, a, a team director, a team principal, and the other is a driver. That's you know, it's like yelling at the umpire in a baseball game. You can yell at the umpire. You can call the umpire any name you want to call him. But the minute you can the, even kick the dirt at him. But the minute the manager comes out and yells at him, he gets booted out of the
0: that's not true no
1: it's not the minute it's when the manager
0: how much the manager does and you know whether or not the manager picks up the first base bag and throws it
1: (laughs) also possible (laughs) but we've seen it in high school football i mean when they once okay but it happened
0: it did but he yelled a lot he he, many times
1: he did but he got booted It was quite fun to watch
0: and and because of the way we don't even know if that was all. That could have just been the OHSAA rules mm-hmm. that said that, that we had enough of you get out.
1: Well, it could have been, but it was. It, that's my point: is the coaches, team principals, managers, they are held to a slightly different standard than average player, driver. I guess. I got nothing else. I'm trying to give you a reason why he got in trouble and Sebastian
0: did not. I was just throwing it out there that you know it, it seemed a little odd. That that's all it was. Anyway, other news. So a uh, couple of months ago, we heard the story that uh, Daniel Ricciardo and his former manager, former advisor Glenn Beavis, who uh, was featured in the the Netflix show last year, as Daniel was making his decision as to where to go. Um, that they had had a falling out and uh, Glenn had sued Daniel for 10 million pounds uh, in unpaid wages. Mm-hmm. Well, word has come out that the matter has been settled. They settled out of court. They did not go into court, which is where it looked like it was headed. Uh, but the thing was settled out of court. We have no other information other than the fact that Daniel Ricardo says it's done. It's over with. This is not a concern anymore. It's not a story. We have settled. We're finished. That's all we know. Makes sense. So there's that. Um, So originally they were supposed to be on tire blankets for 2020. Yeah. 2021, I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, they With were. the new tires. Didn't they do something in one of the free practices without tire blankets to test drive something? Or somebody was looking at how they could. There was talk about the fact that they the tire blanket thing was happening during one of the free practices.
0: Um, It, it may have actually been around one of the tire tests. Um, but the, the plan was, as Formula One shifted to the new larger 18-inch wheels, tire blankets were going to go away, and thereby save costs because, you know, the the poor migrant children, illegal employees, it, it costs money to you know have them quilt these blankets by hand, sew so in the little the little cables and the elements.
1: Really, that's where you <laughs> went. <laughs> you couldn't have gone with
0: sweatshop laborers. Yeah. The was
1: gerbils going. it takes to run the electricity to heat the tire blankets, or the fact that they have to, you know, kill little bitty nagas to make the naga hide well, coating. The, the,
0: the, the, that gets expensive. And it's it, especially since it's the naga hide on the inside mm-hmm. that comes from the belly of the naga.
1: Well, it is very yes. difficult to get. I mean, do you it's
0: know how many. The, the belly.
1: Do you know how many? I mean, nagas are not very large creatures. They're not. And they take a lot to get bellies.
0: But, you know, it's a good thing that, that they reproduce like bunnies, so you can get a lot of them fast. <laughs> <laughs> I was unaware of the reproductive cadence of a naga. I was
1: completely. Now, are these the rich Corinthian nagas? Because those are super special. They nagas. are.
0: They are. Anyway, uh, so they're keeping the blankets. Uh, I guess Pirelli kind of asked for it. Okay. Um, the, the whole idea was, you know, they're, they're, according to Mario Azzola, have a new car, a new aero package, new tires, new size, and so on. The idea is to have a transition and remove the blankets, but over a period of time. So in 2021, we keep the blankets in order to have a reference And then step by step, we will go in that direction of not having them. Um, He said when it was discussed, he didn't remember there being any kind of strong objection to going away from it. Um, But it does mean that now the teams need to go and contract out to get new blankets made because these are bigger tires and bigger wheels.
1: No, all they have to do is extend the size that they've currently got. It's like an (laughs) add-on. You know, they just, it's... its
0: I don't think
1: it... They currently Velcro together. They just need to put a little Velcro piece in.
0: I, I, I don't think that's quite how it works. It's like a
1: seatbelt extender.
0: Um, but word is that the teams, you know, they, they want to at least keep the control systems in place for the blankets because they, they've invested a lot in it. They would have had to just throw it away otherwise. Right. So they at least get another year of use out of their tire blanket control systems.
1: Now, I want to discuss this slow peeling away of this tire blankets. Are we going to start mandating like over the next four years we'll remove one tire blanket per car?
0: You get the front blankets, <laughs> but not the back. Right. And you could have Because the, they want it even.
1: Well, yeah, except on the, the tracks that are higher on the right and the left, and then you could have the right versus mm. the left. I mean, it's very critical as to you can have one tire blanket. You can warm the tires that go on mid-race but not start the race with warmed tires. You know. Because there's tire and There's not just one set of tire blankets. Every one of those tires is wrapped up in its little special cozy.
0: So, um, reverse grids.
1: Okay. You know how we talk about the fact that I have... Special favorite topics that I hate talking about. Well, the- Engines, tires, reverse grids.
0: The FIA. Qualifying has- screw-ups. The FIA has this to say to you.
1: I say to all the doubters, dude. <laughs> Boris Johnson can go back to the hole from which he crawled out of. Dude. <laughs> only you find that funny no one else finds that funny there are audible people rolling their eyes at the their radios right now and they are running off the road please be careful with the driving because they are like michael
0: really i'm good with that <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right, let's get this thing over with because again, we're gonna go back to that. You remember that one time when we did this stupid qualifying thing?
0: We have a little more info about it, and, and I think it's important that we at least try and understand
1: because they're gonna it do is. it.
0: So, for starters, um, they've come out. They've yeah, they've, they've come out with word that what the three races that they're targeting to try this. Because remember, it's an experiment. Well, at least experiment.
1: we're going to go to it. and I'm going to give them credit. Instead of doing it like the last time we experimented with something <clears throat> stupid, they are going into it going, this is an experiment. We're only going to commit to doing this three times.
0: So the first race that they're looking to target to do this with is Paul Ricard. Okay, because anything
1: will make Paul Ricard
0: better. And and that that's what word is, is that... The, the the factors that they used to make a decision was one, the race tends to be fairly uneventful. So anything that they can do to make it not totally suck. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other is to diminish the possibility of whatever happens having a significant impact on the the championship standings. Okay. Um Which is the only reason why I can think of as to why they decide to put Spa in there because Spa tends to be a really good race. But for this to play out the way they're thinking, it could make qualifying kind of interesting. Okay. Could. And then the last one is Sochi. Again, another race that is not particularly well known for being great. Yeah. So... There, there's a couple of things going on here. First off, because we are so late in the season and they're talking about doing this for 2020, the requirement would be that there had to be a unanimous agreement among all the teams. Word is that there is one team holding out. So that could push it back a year.
1: Is that a red team?
0: No word on that. Um, But, but the big thing to note is that if they make the decision by April of next year, they could do this for twenty twenty one. Okay. And they don't need a unanimous vote for that. So if there's one holdout and they can still they still have the majority come April, they can put it in place.
1: Provided that one holdout is not red um and a galaxy horse. because True. they have veto power.
0: <clears throat> so the way this would work, um I had it a second. So, the intention is that they would replace qualifying with a sprint race. And we don't have the details as to how long that this would be. But the way it would work is that the grid for the sprint race only would be set in reverse order based on the driver's standings. Okay. Teams would get a free choice of tires to use for that whatever that they whatever tire that they want but the intention would be that there would be no pit stops okay so it's best that you can run the distance on as fast as possible okay with that the results of that race setting the grid for the actual race on sunday they're also saying that the sprint race, all, all that they would really say, and, and we don't know exactly what you're going to lose, um, It, but the pre-race activities prior to the sprint race would be streamlined compared to a Sunday. I'm assuming that means that you're not going to have 800 you know, pit crew and celebrities and everybody else running around on the grid. It's going to be you pop out of the garage, do maybe two sighting laps, and go right into a formation lap. Is my
1: guess. Interesting,
0: but I don't know. We don't. We don't have the details on that. Um, the intention is that the 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 front runners would have would find it harder to make product progress through the field in these races than they currently do when starting out of position in normal grand prix because there would be no pit stops and the likelihood is that everyone would start on the same tire compound
1: so what does that do for the likelihood of somebody that deserves to be on pole not being on pole. You're going to wind up and probably make it up through the the mid-pack, maybe. You'll get a mid-pack person up on pole.
0: But the intention is, and, and actually, if you think about a comment that was made, I think, by Paul DeResta during the race today, as LeClerc was sliding his way up from the back, was, wow, there's nothing better than watching a fast car slice its way through the field. That's what they're trying to get.
1: Yeah, Whether or not it's
0: workable and doable, I don't know.
1: It's one thing when it's not artificial. And I think that's what I rail against is this artificiality of it all. Okay, LeClerc was slicing his way up through the field because he tangled with Verstappen and knocked him back to the back row. It was Mm -hmm. awesome to watch him take on people and pass and, and do all of those things. And they weren't always easy passes. Yeah, But the thought that this would be something that would roll forward and go consistently so that you're going to ask me, if you looked at today's standings, you're going to say that that sprint race is going to be started by George Russell. Mm -hmm. And in...
0: Actually, probably be started by Kubica followed by Russell.
1: uh, No, because Kubica has a point and Russell has no points.
0: Oh, true, because it was the standings. You're right.
1: So it would be started by Russell and then Kibitza and all of that flow all the way down until the very back row is going to be Valtteri and then last place, Lewis. Okay, Lewis is quick and Lewis can pass and I get all of that. But that you're asking him to, in order to get pole for that race, he would have to pass 19 people in a sprint race.
0: But here, here's the thing, and this is why I don't think it really matters. Pole doesn't count for any points. It's not like IndyCar. No. doesn't count for any. And, and, and that's what they're trying to do is they're trying to mix it up. Where I think, where my bigger concern with this would be, and I'm assuming that they're not planning on doing this for every single race, but where my bigger concern would be in trying to do this kind of – because I don't necessarily have a problem with if that's how you're going to do qualifying, not the race. It, it 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 does change the nature of qualifying and could make some of the races better. But you do this in Monaco?
1: Yeah. Hi, George Russell. You just won Monaco.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> that That's where I'm a, a bit more concerned of – all of these tracks where drivers—I'm not going to say impossible because I think that's well overused in Formula One. But all of those, those tracks where drivers struggle to pass or where passing is significantly harder than, oh, at a Suzuka or at a Spa or at some, some of these other tracks— that's where I got a problem with it. And, and that then becomes my next concern is, well, okay, if you're doing different qualifying formats for different races, it's not always equal.
1: Exactly. That, and,
0: and that's my bigger concern.
1: It's the artificiality of it. I'd rather have sprinklers. Okay. In the roulette wheel of dumb ideas, I'd rather have sprinklers.
0: Okay. Honestly, what I think would be cooler, logs on a rope.
1: Logs on a rope?
0: That just randomly swing out across the track.
1: This is not Mario Kart. <laughs>
0: kind, kind of like the old uh, Wipeout TV show.
1: Yeah, uh, not Mario. All right,
0: move on. Okay. What's our next penalty? Um, well, it's it's not really a penalty, but it's uh, interesting. <clears throat> so Williams has tried out a new front wing during the practice of the Japanese Grand Prix. Um, George ran it. Um, Robert ran it. Robert really liked it. Said the car felt significantly better. Um, George wasn't particularly impressed with it. He didn't really like it's it. It's
1: really hard to show emotion when you're plastic
0: true um. now Williams only brought one
1: well that's all I had time to make I mean they only have so much duct tape in the factory Wow,
0: uh, that's mean we like Williams you like Claire well there's that too but they only brought one mm-hmm. and Robert just kind of naturally assumed that even though they had the one, since it felt so good on his car and he liked it so much that he was going to get to go and drive the wheel, dur- drive the, uh, the wing during the race. Oh. Um, Williams took it away from him. He's upset.
1: He liked it too much.
0: He's really, really bothered by the fact that, you know, it well, worked. Um, but he says that they didn't consult him. Um, but since it had worked so well, even though they didn't consult him, it only made sense that he run it in a race because it was so much better. Did and they if,
1: give it to George?
0: They didn't give it to anybody.
1: See, they're not showing favoritism.
0: They're not, but when you get Robert making waves, and, and more than that, when you get Robert's sponsor making waves over parts availability, this doesn't look all that great.
1: Well, maybe Robert should have thought about that before he decided to hug it and declare in the garage, I love it and I will hug it and squeeze it and call it George.
0: Well, no, because he actually has a George. He can hug and squeeze him. <laughs> That's That's wrong on so many levels. So many levels. I, I don't want to comment on their relationship. I don't know what it's like. That's all I'm saying. I don't
1: think that there's a whole lot of love lost there. I don't know. Um, But okay, you didn't like the hug it, squeeze it comment. Then how about maybe Robert should not have been his car? Well, see, that's the
0: thing is, you know, Williams' response was that they had never really planned on running it on the car. They wanted more testing data. And the shortened sessions didn't help with that. But they had planned on bringing it to Mexico City. Because by the way, shockingly, um, Mexico City is the next race. Right. You know, normally we expect it to be Texas, but it's not. We're going to Mexico. Um, but they planned on doing additional testing over in Mexico before deciding on any kind of strategy with this. And, you know, by the way, Robert pinned his car. So if that he, they had put it on the car, it could have been lost.
1: Then and they again, only had Robert one.
0: might have been saying that, well, you know, if it was on my car, it wouldn't have crashed. I don't know.
1: What a cut of shit. Maybe you should be rethinking your life's goals.
0: I don't know if I'd go that
1: far. He's leaving Formula One. I can go as far as I want.
0: (laughs) Okay. He's not a jerk. I don't know him. From everything we have seen, he's a really nice guy, which is, again, he's gotten the kiss of death already. He's a really nice guy.
1: He's a nice guy. But also, keep in mind, he is the only guy on the grid who has not even one time outqualified his teammate. Not even once. Okay. He's lost to a Ken Again,
0: he's a really nice guy.
1: Uh-huh. I am <laughs> sure he will take his niceness to a new motorsport.
0: So... Japanese Grand Prix this weekend, disrupted by a typhoon. And and I'll I'll be honest with you, I'm kind of surprised they ran a race anyway.
1: It was sunny and pretty on Sunday.
0: It it was. It was sunny and pretty. But when when you see the pictures of the damage that was left in other parts of the country, the sunny and pretty doesn't bother me. We've been through hurricanes, and we have seen that when it sweeps out, the weather at least— At least you get sunny and pretty. You also get 90 bajillion percent humidity and usually stupid hot temperatures to go on top of it. But, yeah, you get the sunny part. I was surprised at the massive crowds that were in. I mean, and I get it's Japan. Mm -hmm. And Japan loves Formula One. But all I could think of is, you know, if a storm like that rolled through Florida Especially as close to the race as this was or passing over it, the thought that massive crowds would be an event that was held the next day after the storm passed through, kind of surprising to me. But they were there? I, I was also surprised that at least from what we saw, there was no evidence of damage. I haven't seen any reports of damage at the track. I mean, you've got that ferris wheel, you've got all that other stuff there, you've got all these temporary structures that are up for this race and you've got a hundred plus mile an hour winds that rolled through and there was no evidence of damage. is kind of surprising to me
1: and no talk of damage.
0: Yeah. Now it is entirely possible that maybe in one of the pre-race coverages somewhere they showed some damage.
1: We wouldn't know. Yeah. Thank you. ESPN. Um, did you happen to notice that even the Typhoon could not keep away some of the best headgear in Formula One races?
0: I didn't see as much of it this year. Now, I wasn't, I, I didn't, wasn't watching the crowd shots because I've gotten so sick of them. And Formula they do make One, you angry. It's not that they make me angry. Well, some of it is the best time to catch that stuff is during the pre-race coverage, which we didn't get. And I will admit, I did not watch any of the, the trophy ceremonies or, or yeah, I, I watched the interviews and I was done. So they, there may have been other fan shots. But during the race, it annoys me that they, they're breaking away for the fans. Oh. We know you're there. Thanks. I'm here to watch the cars.
1: I will just tell you really good headgear.
0: That's Japan.
1: Yes. Best hats on any race we can.
0: I mean I did see the the Honda Red Bull Cowboy hats.
1: Uh, there were those. There were the Ferrari, I don't know what they're called, but they look like upside down walks.
0: Upside down walks.
1: You see them on in like when people are picking rice in the rice patties. Um, they're like a straw hat. Oh. I don't know what that hat is okay. called, but there was a Ferrari designed one that looked mm. like a Ferrari helmet, but in that shape.
0: Okay, that's kind of cool.
1: And they had full Ferrari race suits on to go with it. It was kind (laughs) of awesome. Um, I mean, I'm
0: sure there was no shortage of the tail wings with the DRS and the cars and that stuff.
1: Oh, yeah. But just it's the incredible attention to detail that you see. I mean, these, these fans are completely kitted out in kit you cannot find anywhere else.
0: Like the Bernie Eccleston puppet. I still can't find it. I'm very disappointed.
1: Somebody will find me a Bernie Puppet.
0: Anyway, so the teams did do a lot of work to prep the paddock for the storm coming through. And if you think about it, the amount of breakdown that they did, basically as soon as Free Practice 2 is over, they broke down as much as they could. That includes their entire pit wall setups. Mm. Didn't want to leave out there. Um, A lot of the paneling and, and, and things like that that they put up, All of that was taken down, packed away into the garages, and in many cases, not just packed into the garages, but put up on stands in the garage in case there was flooding in the garages. All of the garages were sandbagged to try and minimize the potential for water coming in. Um, Yeah. Wow. And amazingly enough, we got no reports of damage. I didn't see anything on Autosport now. I haven't gone and looked at ESPN's F1 site, which is actually pretty good because it's from the UK. It's not in the US. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, I'm mean, <clears throat> I'm I'm glad that they've done this. Now it is the second time since we've been watching Formula One that they have done. They've had a typhoon in Suzuka so close to the race.
0: Yeah, but the difference was that the last time we watched and that that was the um, the year that that Jewel Bianchi died was that was a storm actively going through during the race time. Well, it was remnants in the outer bands. It wasn't the actual storm. This was the actual storm. So not only did they break everything down, but the Suzuka circuit and the FIA all agreed to ban everybody from the track. Mm -hmm. So there were no support races. All of those teams were shut down and, and gone. The press was not allowed to be at the track. Fans, obviously, were not allowed to be at the track. And the only race personnel who were allowed at the track were those who were deemed essential because there are some things that apparently have to be maintained live and and worked on over the weekend. Those things were there, and security folks were there.
1: To make sure that nobody else showed up. Mm -hmm.
0: But it was the, the, the most essential of essential personnel were the only ones allowed at the track. Everybody else was at the hotel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the drivers got to sleep late
1: well I'm sure they appreciated that
0: (laughs) um so the race itself okay what'd you think of it
1: well let's see I actually enjoyed strong parts of it um I thought the delay re-review of the penalty situation was a little weird um but some of the saltiest radio calls,
0: saltiest,
1: uh, saltiest. I they bleeped Lewis Hamilton. They okay. never have to bleep Lewis Hamilton. Um, so salty radio calls. Um, there were some okay passing, I guess.
0: There were some decent passes, but
1: I mean, I stayed awake through the whole thing, so that 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 makes it a decent. Race. It's a
0: plus. <laughs>
1: that that makes it a decent race. I mean, it wasn't Paul Ricard pouring, but it was... I mean, Valtteri owned it. A amazing start. He owned
0: that race. Yeah, and Valtteri won his first race since April. And it sealed the first ever six-time-in-a-row Constructors' Championship. Isn't that awesome? It, it's... I mean... I, it it's one of those things that given their history, you'd expect like a Ferrari to have done or a Ford to have done, or one of these, uh, not even, maybe a McLaren to have, although McLaren hasn't had a long run of wins. Mm-mm. They've been scattered around.
1: Did you read that uh, Toto Wolff dedicated this victory, this constructor's victory to Nikki?
0: It doesn't surprise me at all. The the reality is, um, Nikki has such a foundational role in what this team w- built into mm-hmm. that I mean it only makes sense.
1: I mean he's he's in their very DNA. That mm-hmm. that is the reality. They picked up the sweetest picture of Toto and Nikki for that particular like headline. Mm-hmm. Um, it's toto throwing his head back laughing and nikki like right next to his shoulder and he's on the it's it's the, the spot where he would he toto watches the races and mm-hmm. he's calling and stuff so it's, it's there and it's that quintessential picture that you've seen toto sitting um no Nikki sitting at toto's shoulder for all these different races but it was the one it was just a shot of toto with his head thrown back laughing like nikki had just told him something absolutely hmm. ridiculous um, it was a great shot and it was it was just really sweet and heartwarming to see that Toto even now you still acknowledge Nikki
0: yeah now I will say this I mean it from what we could see and what came across on the cameras it did feel like the end of race ceremonies and celebrations were extremely muted
1: well, I'm not exactly sure that they were planning on this being that race. I,
0: I, I'm not even so much thinking about that. But or I'm,
1: maybe they sent a whole lot of stuff home because of the typhoon. I,
0: I, I wasn't thinking, and, and, and we don't know what happened after the podium ceremony. I, I'm thinking in, in the the minutes leading up to the podium ceremony. You know, n- normally, those cars come in and... The winner is jumping up and down. The mechanics are screaming and yelling. And, you know, Lewis or some of the others, they're jumping into the arms of their mechanics. You know, it's an obvious celebration. And there were maybe a couple of handshakes, a couple of high fives. For Mercedes itself, I think there were maybe like four mechanics over there. Usually there's a much bigger crowd than that. I mean, that's even the the Ferrari crowd they, they all seem to be really really quiet hmm. for a post race that that's what that's that's what I meant I mean it, yeah I, I I'm sure that back at the Mercedes Garage when when the the podiums were done, there was plenty of champagne flying and plenty of corks flying. I do know that unlike last year the the shirts came out. And there was some degree of acknowledgement and celebration for clinching the constructors. If you remember, last year, Mercedes refused to acknowledge the Constructors' Championship until they clinched both.
1: Well, keep in mind what they did. Because they didn't just clinch the Constructors' Championship. They've clinched the Drivers' Championship. They just don't know which driver yet. No, that's the other that's the other piece of this is everyone else is eliminated from challenging Lewis for the drivers' championship except for Valtteri.
0: But let's be clear. It's only mathematically possible that Valtteri will win. <laughs>
1: True, there is 56 points between the two of
0: them. There it is only mathematically possible correct not anywhere remotely close to and and that's the thing it's not like it's there's a fighting chance that Valtteri is going to come back and pick up 50 some odd points more than Lewis over the next four races it's not happening
1: well I understand that and you understand that but this is part of the game that we have to play but you
0: but in in reality
1: Mercedes has clinched both the championships. Yeah,
0: but but the point was, last year, Mercedes refused to acknowledge the, the Constructors' Championship until both were sealed.
1: Right, but last year, Valtteri came in fifth. The second place driver was not a Mercedes. Yeah. The, they're still holding two there. They don't acknowledge it until both are clinched. They still have the double victory. That's what I'm trying to say: is there's no chance that they will lose the double victory.
0: Yeah, they could I have mean, lost I, it last year. They could have, but again, they had the constructors, and they it was confirmed, and they chose not to acknowledge it last year, mm-hmm. which we all thought shirts, was weird. didn't do anything,
1: which we all thought was weird. But yeah.
0: Anyway, so Lewis's. Not particularly happy over how this went down. Yes, he's happy that the team won the Constructors. He 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 did he congratulated the team and, and, you know, good there. But he is not happy with how this went down. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, he thinks that if he had better guidance from the team, he would have had a fighting chance to win this race.
1: What guidance did he think he was missing?
0: So... The issue was, when he started questioning about this, he thinks that if he had gotten better guidance, he could have converted to a one-stop instead of a two-stop and finished the race and not given position up to Valtteri. So his what he argues is because initially they put him on a two-stop. He pushed like he was going to be on a two-stop and come in again. Mm. And when he came in is really what gave up the position there. But if he had known he was gonna be a one stop and if he had raced as a one stop, he would not have he would have managed the tires better so that he could have retained the track position and stayed out there.
1: Well, I'm gonna call woulda, coulda shoulda. Yeah. But I do remember something about they absolutely needed that fastest lap point. Now, I don't know if that changed anything with them finishing 1-2 versus 1-3, but they needed the fastest lap point, which is one of the reasons they brought him in, or they needed Ferrari not to get the fastest lap point. I don't remember those details, but there was math... I think ma- it
0: was a combination of both.
1: It was There was maths around that that was critical. So, okay... Yeah, you might have won, but you could have delayed Mercedes getting the championship. And that's what their first goal was.
0: It is. Um, Mercedes also, they've said that, and they even said it to Lewis, the whole reason why why they put him on the two-stop was because tire degradation was higher than they were expecting. And because of that, they did not want to chance it. Mm-hmm. And they felt it was better to go this route.
1: Hey, Finishing is always better than a DNF.
0: That's the thing. So penalty time. <laughs> Back again. to penalties. Back to penalties. Charles Leclerc.
1: Yeah. What did Charles do?
0: Um so Charles, even though he finished in sixth technically, mm-hmm. um was classified in seventh.
1: Yes, he was.
0: Um This is as a result of getting not one but two penalties out of the same incident. Oh. So for starters, his collision with Max Verstappen, Mm -hmm. which initially they ruled as a racing incident, and then reversed it and decided to take it under advisement. And I think the only reason why they didn't deal with it on the spot, which they still should have done it anyway, was because of the fact that Max was out of the race. If Max was still in, I think they would have made the effort to to make a decision while the race was still running.
1: Interesting. I thought that the reason that they wanted to do it after the race is that they actually called the the boys into the steward's office. They wanted to talk to them.
0: I I think so too, but I I think it was clear-cut enough that they didn't need to. Mm. So I think they punted it with all the other stuff that was going on. But as a result of that incident, um, Charles got penalty number one of a five-second time penalty. Okay. Um, and then as you recall was the damage to the car and Charles staying out, despite the fact that he was spraying carbon fiber all over the track and the end plate wing that was dragging and all of those other things that we all looked at each other and said, why are they not black flagging him? Right. Or black and orange flag is because that's the black of
1: He got a black and
0: orange. Uh, it's not clear that he actually did.
1: Oh, the commentator said he got a black and orange.
0: They thought he did, but from what I'm reading, it's not really clear that he did. There was a call made by Michael Massey over to Ferrari saying, bring him in. Mm-hmm. But whether or not he was shown a black and orange flag, I don't know. The other thing is, my understanding is that if you get shown a black and orange flag and you disregard it, you get you get black flagged. You have a certain distance that you have to respond. Otherwise, they will black flag you. And if you're black flagged, you're out of the race completely.
1: Oh. I mean, there could have definitely been flag confusion, but I thought he got the black and orange. But yes, he was spraying carbon fiber all over Lewis. Lewis was unhappy about that.
0: He, well, he wasn't just spraying carbon fiber at Lewis. And by the way, it was also chunks of the aerodynamic pieces, of, of, of chunks of that front wing because it took out Lewis's right mirror.
1: It took out Lewis's right mirror? I thought it took yes. out Charles's left
0: Charles's left mirror is the one that we saw breaking off. Lewis, and, and before Charles lost his left mirror, Lewis radioed in that he lost his, and, and that, that he lost that wing mirror. And you could see it in the clip. There was a little bit of like broken, the stock was still there to hold it up, but there was a black like disc. Mm -hmm. was all that was left on it. It wasn't the full mirror. As opposed to what happened with Charles where the stock and everything completely broke off the car. The stock was still there on Lewis's car. Oh, okay. Um, But Lewis wasn't the only one who had debris flung at him. Lando Norris's incident. Now, as you recall, if you were watching the Sky coverage, they talked about Lando coming in and his brake being on fire. Yeah. What happened was some of the carbon fiber from Charles Leclerc's car got sucked into Lando's brake duct, which caused it to overheat, which is why they pulled him in. Oh. It was a mechanic who, who had to reach into the brake duct to pull out all the carbon fiber Oh, that allowed him to get back out there and, and again, get the airflow that was needed to cool the car and to cool the brakes. So McLaren was pretty pissed over this also. Well... Michael Massey, apparently, he had concerns about the part breaking off. He called up Ferrari, and Ferrari initially told Michael Massey that Leclerc would be pitted at the end of the second lap. Mm. That's what they told the race director. Um, However, with Leclerc not losing much time initially, Ferrari kept him out. Oh, my. Even though they told Michael Massey... That he was coming in. And initially, when we heard the calls, initially, he was told to come in. Ferrari mm-hmm. radio, Charles Leclerc and said, come in. What was not aired was a call that was later made to Charles after the wing broke off saying, stay out. Oh. Because he wasn't losing time anymore. Uh-oh. Yeah. So as a result of that, the stewards were a little ticked off. Okay. Apparently, you don't tell the race director that you're going to bring somebody in for safety reasons and then not bring them in.
1: Yeah, especially when he picked up the phone and called you and said, bring him in.
0: Uh Uh-huh. So as a result of that, Charles got a second penalty of 10 seconds for a total of 15 seconds and pushing him back a space. Okay. Yeah.
1: Do you have any reason to think that perhaps Ferrari left him out to try to destroy Hamilton's race?
0: I I, I won't go so far as to say destroy his race but it would have been very convenient
1: for one of those pieces to get sucked into Lewis's car
0: you know I'm not even thinking that I'm thinking more of just from the perspective of as long as Leclerc can keep Lewis behind him he's giving Vettel space Mm. not 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 from the perspective of trying to be a hazard with the debris flying off and and Having an impact on Lewis's car that way, but more from that perspective of if Charles is having problems, but he can hold Lewis up, that's good for them. Okay, that that's more what I think may have been the game that was going on there. The other question around Ferrari and penalties was the jump start that Seb had in the early movement.
1: Yeah, that was all the talk of Paul DeResta and...
0: Well, especially because, as you recall, two weeks ago in Russia, Kimi Räikkönen did the same thing and got a penalty. Mm. So the big difference...
1: So it wasn't the same thing. There's a difference.
0: There there was a difference. So the difference was that when Kimi got his penalty and did his little start-stop-stutter thing because he jumped the start, Kimi moved forward enough that he exited his, bo- his, his box on the grid before the lights changed.
1: Oh.
0: Seb did not. Okay. But that's where I kind of question this a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, I, I get that he stayed in the box, and he clearly didn't gain an advantage from the this, the start stop there. But there were revisions that were made to... This procedure, I think it was last year? No, it was the year before. <clears throat> so there was a race within the last two years that Valtteri was on pole and Seb was in second. Mm-hmm. And Valtteri got that got a blistering start. Or maybe it was that Seb was on pole, and Valtteri was second. But Valtteri got a blistering start, got the jump on Seb, and took the lead mm-hmm. off the start. And Seb turned around and said that he thought for sure that Valtteri had jumped the start. hmm And when you followed in super, 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 super slow motion, Valtteri called it almost exactly. Like the, the hairst of the hair of the light went out and he was gone. But it was enough that he had anticipated and was making the movements before the light had turned off. Mm-hmm. Technically, he was in the clear. He didn't jump the start, but they changed how it's measured and calculated. It's something like after the light goes off, there's a fraction of a second that the car still shouldn't be moving.
1: Correct. It's supposed to allow for the—literally, the brain to accept that the lights went off and make a move.
0: Right, which— Valtteri's start this time was faster than that when 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 he he, they they were accusing him of jumping the start
1: not this time that last not not
0: in Japan based on that whole idea of your car isn't supposed to move until that window goes away after the light has turned off Seb's car still moved Mm -hmm. but even if he didn't come out of the box His car was in motion before the light changed.
1: But I think his car moved and stopped before the lights went out. Like, he moved before the light went out. It wasn't that he was in that window. Yeah. He moved before the light went out and stopped before the light
0: went out. But but my point is, the car was in motion in his box on the grid before the lights went out. Even though he stopped and he caught it, the car was in motion.
1: I understand. I understand. Now, truth, mm-hmm. Valtteri is an incredible starter.
0: He is. And I mean, we have not seen the great starts we know he can produce. We he did today. He's much better. From a, from a standing start, he is much better than Lewis.
1: Consistently. Mm-hmm. But today, amazing start.
0: Yeah. So... The other incident that occurred, which was kind of interesting. Um, final lap of the race. Turn two. Sergio Perez trying to pass Toro Rosso for eighth place. Um, they tap each other, and Perez goes spinning into the wall. We get a yellow flag. mm mm-hmm. No penalties for that. Okay. Racing incident? Um, well... So here's the thing. Racing for eighth, what was supposed to be the final lap of the race, Sergio Perez goes into a wall, which you would normally think would be a DNF. However, he was classified as finishing ninth. Okay. Because somebody waved the checkered flag early again. <laughs>
1: They've waved a whole lap early? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So wait a minute. Lewis was sitting there like a quarter of a second behind um Vettel. He had a whole extra lap he could have passed Vettel on?
0: No, he had less. The race ended a lap early. Correct. So he didn't have an extra lap. He, could. he had one less lap.
1: Yes. If they had gone the right distance, he would have had the extra, that last lap.
0: Well, the driver still raced it like it was a real lap.
1: Oh. Okay.
0: We don't have the full details yet on just what the heck happened. <laughs> However, the flag came out early again, and at least some of the drivers saw it, but they continued to race. Okay. But technically, once that flag comes out, race the over. race is over.
1: Now, was Perez lapped? Could that have been it?
0: Um he was he was lapped, I believe. Well, let me pull up the standings cuz I have them here. Uh Perez Uh yeah, he he had been lapped. At, Gasly and Perez were both lapped.
1: Okay, so then the checkered flag for Botas came out, and that would have ended everybody's race.
0: Uh, I don't know where they were in relation to BOTUS. But again, the flag came out. Once the flag comes out, the race is over. So it's not a racing incident. It doesn't have to be picked up by the lead driver. The flag comes out, the race is over.
1: So it's not a racing incident because they weren't racing.
0: Um. Well, it... it kinda was but the stewards ruled that no driver was wholly at fault for the (laughs) collision even though it happened after the race ended okay but part of it was the fact that it happened after the race ended because well somebody's saying that it's an error with the checkered flag light panel we do not know if it is an operator error (laughs) with the checkered flag light panel the fia however is launching an investigation into this if you'll remember because it was the light display that came out this time and that was the whole reason for the light display after winnie harlow waved the flag two laps early in canada last year they were going to come out with this light panel so that it would be the light panel would be and that came on early now
1: okay
0: yeah so we don't know exactly what happened, but the race is, the, the results were as of the completion of lap 52, not 53 as scheduled. Okay. So this is now the third time in the last, what, five years that a race has ended early because somebody waved the flag early.
1: Hey, somebody could do that at Paul Ricard at about lap five, and I wouldn't <laughs> be angry. <laughs> I wouldn't ask for my money back.
0: So, in other things going on, and we don't know if there's a penalty yet, but Racing Point has protest, has filed a protest against Renault after the Japanese Grand Prix for an alleged breach of Formula One sporting and technical regulations, as well as the International Sporting Code of the FIA.
1: Okay, that sounds really official.
0: Um, representatives from the teams were summoned uh, to the stewards uh, for hearings that were supposed to start at 6:30 J- uh, Japan time on Sunday. We've got some initial information from that. So, according to the documents from the FIA, Racing Point protested both Renault cars for a quote preset lap distance dependent brake bias adjustment system.
1: I have no idea what those words mean. I don't know. Okay.
0: Um, What we do know is that um, whatever documentation Racing Point provided to push this forward and push this protest forward, it has resulted, as of that meeting that occurred at 6.30 uh, Japan time on Sunday, um, the FIA has ruled that... Well, they haven't ruled. The FIA has placed... They've seized the steering wheels and the ECUs from both cars that ran this weekend. They are sealed pending further investigation. And it sounds like both that all of these units are going to be broken open and examined in detail to determine if there was some kind of violation that occurred.
1: That's wild.
0: But all we know, it's this preset lap distance dependent brake bias adjustment system. I'm assuming based on that because we know that the drivers can adjust the brake bias in the cars and they do it throughout the lap. They're, they're doing it. My guess is that there's an allegation that there is some kind of code in the system that after a set number of laps, something kicks in and automatically modifies how the brake bias is set. Hmm. And because at this point it's not... Um, the driver driving the car, it's technically an automated driver's aid. That would be a violation. I well, think that's what's happening, but I don't know.
1: Well, well, we'll have to follow this story closely and you'll have to keep us updated as to what all of those English words that I don't understand actually mean when they examine the steering wheel and other parts. <laughs>
0: So the limited analysis that we have from Autosport right now um, says that while the FIA has not elaborated on what specific rule breach Racing Point alleges Renault has made, the regulations surrounding braking systems do outlaw any powered device other than the rear brake-by-wire system. Um, Quoting Article 11.1.3 of the technical regulations, any powered device other than the system referred to in Article 11.9 which is capable of altering the configuration or affecting the performance of any part of the brake system, is forbidden. The exception referred to in 11.9 is that the pressure modulation for the rear brake-by-wire system can be provided by a powered control system. And the references to the sporting regulations and International Sporting Code could relate to the ban on driver aids in Formula 1. Specifically, Article 27.1 of the sporting regulations, that states that the driver must drive the car alone and unaided.
1: Mm. Okay.
0: So, yeah, it, it's going to be a couple of weeks. We don't have a timeline as to when this analysis, this detailed analysis of these pieces, as well as the hardware and software and data associated with them. I'm assuming it's going to take quite a bit. Um, The FIA also says that they may call upon outside technical assistance, including Renault and Racing Point team members, while conducting conducting the analysis. That I think is kind of interesting. So you bring in the Racing Point folks to analyze the ECU software and steering wheel control software and data for the Renault cars.
1: That would be weird.
0: I mean, I get that you've got to show some level of response To the Racing Point folks, but how much do you share with them?
1: I know. We'll see.
0: So, um, oh, and uh, the last piece is that apparently what Racing Point has provided as part of this this protest was a 12-page dossier.
1: Oh, they wrote a letter.
0: Yeah. And the complexity of this was a reason that another meeting is now required on a yet-to-be-defined date. Interesting. So how this is going to impact, since the steering wheels and the ECUs have been seized from the cars, how is that going to affect them in Mexico?
1: I would hope they have other steering wheels and other ECUs. I don't know. But the question is, if it's found to be in violation, what happens to all of their races?
0: Well, that's the the next thing is, I, I think it's going to be a matter of not just if it's found to be in violation, but when that violation may have started and was it just something that was just turned on in Japan or does it go back deeper than that? True. So while you ponder that. Yeah. We'll call it a show. No, no. No, you have more?
1: No, you wanted to remind everyone that the next race is Mexico. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I, I have the show notes, right? Well, no. I don't.
0: (laughs) We'd have to have show notes. We used to do that. Yeah. No, we don't. Yeah, that's... Because you never read them.
1: I could never get into the program. It was hard. Anyway, the next race is not Austin.
0: No, it's not.
1: It's Mexico. And it's in how many weeks? Two weeks. Are you ready?
0: I think so. Hey, you know, I should also mention, because you... You're talking about reminders. Okay. So this one is aimed directly at Phil. Hi, Phil. Phil. So coming up in, um, well, actually on October 30th in Hollywood is Formula One Festival Hollywood, October 29th and October 30th. We only mention it as much as we, rightly so, ripped apart Formula One for Chicago Fan Fest. We have word that appearing at F1 Festival Hollywood, Valtteri Bottas, Daniel Ricciardo, and Max Verstappen. Phil, you have to go there. We're calling you out, man.
1: Maybe he's busy. I don't know how close he is to actually Hollywood. But if you're, if you're available.
0: he's is getting three drivers and we got none.
1: I know, and three good drivers. And
0: according to Eyebrows, this is the biggest sports market in the United States.
1: Yeah, but we got a glorified watch party on a lawn, and he's getting actual drivers in a two-day fan fest.
0: So. I'm guessing they're going to be running cars along Hollywood Boulevard.
1: Oh, that would be pretty cool looking. Honestly, though. But they won't be this year's cars. Maybe they'll be not a Formula One driver driving.
0: Well, you know, now that they've got actual drivers showing up, there might be cars there. And. When they have done these fan festivals in the past that drivers have shown up, they have brought cars there. But honestly, what I would rather they had done, thinking about this, in in, in all seriousness, Mm -hmm. instead of them going to Hollywood, and and I get it, it's the the glitz and everything like that, I would have much rather they had gone to Long Beach,
1: Mm.
0: simply from the fact of, F1 does have some history in Long Beach. They used to run in Long Beach and Long Beach still hosts open wheel racing. Yeah, Convince, you know, work something out with the city to at least put Formula One cars on a section of, if not the entire, Long Beach track. That would have been cool. If you want to make the point of Formula One needs to come back to California... Long Beach is a great place to do it.
1: Well, yes. But unlike you, I'm sure that Eyebrows is destroying the marketing of that concept quickly. I'm not a fan of his marketing prowess. Anyway, <laughs> um, if, for example, if there's any chance that Phil does get down to FanFest and he happens to meet Valtteri Botas, would he please... Please, please, please get me an autograph.
0: <laughs>
1: Since I am currently under a restraining order.
0: We're not going to talk about
1: it. I'm not allowed to talk about it any longer, but his wife was involved. It was She was very insistent.
0: I thought she was a really nice woman, but that's just me.
1: All I can say is, could you just get me a, an autograph?
0: And on that note, we'll call it a show